Fuck you, buddy. They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Hello! David Hellard, are you well, Ard? Did um, you like I, that? I did like that. Have you been thinking that up for some time? I've been writing it for a while. I've got, I've got four co-writers and um, I'm paying a lot of money to publishers just for that song. I've got, I've got to try and come up. Ali Bailey, from where do you Haley? That's nice. It's like old English, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I was going for. We've already done introductions. Classically trained, obviously. Classically. Beautiful. Well, we um, this is another weird one. It's all. It seems we say that a lot on the podcast, don't we? Yeah, is they're always weird, but this is even weirder because I'm here today. But even not even that. But we we were so we're going to be speaking to Myrna later, who is uh, just one of the most charismatic, flamboyant, engaged, just just amazing guests, and. At the time, I think the the plan was we'd record it, and then Jody and I would um, do an intro outro, and then it's just not happened. So we're now several weeks on. Yeah, and but it's fun because we're going back. We're going back in time. It's like the little, 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 back in time, back in time. Yeah, and it makes even less sense that we don't remember necessarily everything. I did listen to it a couple of days ago just to to bring myself up to speed again, but. Um, well, How could you forget? How could you forget? It was the best ever. It, well, well I, I remember the overarching themes, but it's the little details that uh, yeah. that maybe have passed me by a little bit. But uh, anyway, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Bad Boy Running. This is if you haven't listened before, uh, I, I think we're probably going to get quite a few new American uh, listeners potentially because Myrna's got such a, a huge following. But uh, we are roughly a running podcast, often at, t- at times, um, but very very uh happy with deviating into whatever wonderful conversation we find is is entertaining as at the time um we're a fun running podcast you could call us a funning podcast oh hey worked on the marketing so much this week so much i wonder why you brought that notepad it suddenly makes sense it's full of ideas. Now, I I have got some uh, something that made me very happy this week, which which might intro the new listener to to the Bad Boy Running Facebook group. So, um, we've had a new member who uh, who's come in the group, a guy called Max Groening, and Ooh. we asked three questions mainly to to make sure that people aren't um, aren't going to spam the group and also aware that if they do spam the group, they're likely to um, have the absolute piss taken out of them. So. The first question is, um, you know, are you, have you listened to podcasts? Second one, um, are you aware that no spamming? Third one is, who's your favourite 90s reggae artist? He said, gentlemen, the German reggae artist. Whoa. Did you know there was such a thing? No, but I want to hear it now. I want to hear it now. What I, is it called? Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Oh, Okay. So he's, look the, that up later. he's the German gentleman. That's amazing. That I, bet is... it's, I bet it's really, really angry. Like I went, I was once in Berlin going to the marathon, and I found myself at three in the morning in this weird bar, and it was a open mic rap night. Yeah. And there was like three people in there, 
Um, and there was this one guy who was wearing like a white shirt, just looked like a normal guy. And they were rapping in German at each other. Um, so we decided to call this guy Deutsche Bank because he looked like he worked in Deutsche Bank. And it was one of the funniest, scariest, most amazing things <laughs> I've ever seen. So I bet this guy's amazing. But I don't think you can have angry reggae, can you? Has yeah, that you ever can. happened? Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, like the, the, the closest thing to angry, re- angry reggae, if you think about a song about apartheid, you'd, you'd assume that that would be pretty angry you know that the suppression of an entire race by a country you know a system but the anger in that comes out as give me hope joanna one of the most joyous songs i've ever heard one of my favorite songs i've ever heard so i just don't think it can happen maybe maybe or it could be a challenge to the listener to come up with some angry reggae angry reggae people it's what the nation needs well yeah it doesn't it so doesn't but it would be fun (laughs) to listen to if it exists but be careful on the accents. It could go. You could wander into uh, into to, you know iffy territory. Just just keep your normal accent, I'd say. But we're gonna hope. We're gonna try and get some gentleman music and um, f- find out what it's like and see if we can play it as the lead lead out song of the podcast potentially. That would be amazing. I'd love that. Oh, but um, tell me, what's been going on in the world of Miss Bailey? Everything is magical. That's my little tune for me saying my next bit. Um, okay, so I've been doing loads of running, actual running with my leglets. Fantastic. Um, well, I mean, that's not news for you. Yeah, I know, but I've become really bad at running during the week. So I'm tending to, like, just run at weekends and do events and stuff. And I'm sort of missing it a bit, but I'm just, I'm really busy. And I know that's not an excuse, but, yeah, I'm tending to go and do stupid stuff at the weekend and then not do anything in the week so i went to do the south downs way 100 yay that's a biggie it was glorious it was amazing I had so much fun um but i was a little bit worried at the beginning because i hadn't gone and done any back-to-backs really I'd, i've been like, running every weekend and how, long, how long percent runs. is that one god it's three times up snowden apparently so i can't remember off the top of my head but that's so what what it adds up to at least kind of three thousand four thousand meters you just yeah walk. it's a lot and i sort of forgot that it was hilly, even though I've been out with the do-badders and recce parts of it for the um, guys doing the 50. Hmm. Um, but it was a really nice day. It was really hot. Um, had a nice time. Met loads of people at the start line, loads of do-badders. Um, and, yeah, it was really, really good. And I really – it was so much easier than the, the first one, even though it was much hillier. So this is so your second 100-miler now? Yeah, yeah, I did um, autumn last year, okay. um, which I, like, literally freaked out, trained for. But um, this one, I was like, you know what? I just finished it. I had my A plan, my B plan, and my C plan, and um, wanted to do it in sub twenty four. Um, but just didn't look at the ascent like I never do. I was just like, well, it's yeah. a bit hot, you know, slow down or whatever you have to do. But um, yeah, it was strangely. This makes me sound like a dick. Quite, I found it quite easy. Uh, part of the reason it was so awesome was because I had an amazing crew. So I had Lorna Spain, who is Pacer of the Year, um, who not only paced me but she crewed me like a legend. She Booked my hotel. She made sure that I got to bed on time, sort of. Uh, she got up really early in the morning, drove me to the start. While I was standing there, just talking crap and eating saurine fruity malt loaf, she made sure I had coffee, made sure my drop bag was in. Um, <laughs> and then as we were, as I was running along, every time I got to a checkpoint, she was there. She had this bag full of ice and ice creams and cheese sandwiches and baby bells and everything that I could possibly ever imagine I wanted. I didn't know I wanted a Calippo. So she pulled it out the bag. You people always want a calippo. Well, 
I was running along with it, and people, I thought people were going to like murder me for it because they're like, "Where'd you get that?" And I'm like, <laughs> well, actually, my crew provided it for me. Surely um, the sure. art with that though is is timing it that it's not just a a drink by the time it gets to you. No, 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 no. Hell, I'd see you are a rookie. She had an ice bag <laughs> with with ice in it. So she was getting my hat, putting ice in my hat, putting it back on my head. I was standing there going, "What? What do I do?" Because I'm so used to just doing it on my own. Um, was it was an so insanely hot day then? It was boilatron. It was so, so hot. And um, But do you know what? Because it's been like that this year, we've kind of all got used to it, haven't we? And I, it doesn't affect me in so much as I'll just get sunburned because I drink yeah. a lot of water anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I take a lot of salt tablets. So, yeah, it was fine. But, yeah, as, as usual, the hardest bit was the bit between 25 and 50 where you're just like, what the fuck am I doing in my life? Um, and then she met me at 50 and she paced me for about 30 miles. And so that's the dark. That's when it gets dark. Yeah. Um, and she was so good because she knows when to talk to you. She knows when to stop talking to you. She knows when to like start asking stupid questions about your life and when to stop doing that. And yeah, she was brilliant. She's and she's quite fast. Well, she's very fast. So even though she was running at my pace, she was still running faster than I would have done on my own. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's what helped me towards the end. And then she dropped me off at, I think, miles 80, yeah. where I picked up the neoprene dwarf, Lee Stewart Evans. <laughs> was he wearing um, neoprene? No, he wasn't okay. wearing neoprene. But he, sometimes he does. My sister gave him that nickname because sometimes he looks like he's just come out of a bog, like a little tiny frog, because he wears his horrible, weird, like, tights without shorts. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Love you, Lee. Um, so, yeah, but Lee had got there, like, I think he got there two hours early. Yeah. Uh, communication failure. And um, he'd been at the aid station for two hours. So by the time we got there, the people working at the aid station were like, take him away. From <laughs> take him away. So, um, yeah, but it was kind of sad. It was like, it's the last time that he's going to be um, pacing me before he goes off to uh, to America. Lucky America are going to have him. Um, yeah, that's going to be, the yeah. world's going to change, I tell I you. I know, might implode. Anyway, um. We had a lovely time. Sun came up. You could see the moon and you could see the sun and you could see the sea. And it was just brilliant. There was no point in that in that run where I was like, I can't do this, which did happen on yeah. the Autumn 100. And then I managed to take eight minutes off my time from Autumn. That's which, incredible. I know. But I wasn't even trying. And how much of that do you think was the support? How much of it was the added experience? Um, how much of it was just a different route? Well, it was a support. For sure, because I didn't have to think. I was just mm. get being given the things I needed. It was um, probably the fact that Lorna and Lee were there, because having someone to like having somebody to look forward to seeing is a key thing in like those long races. I'm yeah. sure of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I think it's because mentally I knew I'd done it before, so I knew when it was going to be horrible. It never really got horrible because I kind of blocked, stopped that from happening. And also, I knew how to eat. Like I, you know. Last time round, I made loads of Marmite cheese sandwiches, and I didn't like them because they went smooshy. This time, I took little pepper pig pasta tins, the kids' ones, yeah. so I could just pull the ring off the top, eat them cold, and I'll full up, and I don't feel sick, and it was amazing. Um, and, yeah, obviously, the aid stations at those Centurion races are, are brilliant too, but there was a lot of casualties. There were a lot of people being sick at, like, mile 80, a lot of blokes not having a very nice time, mainly blokes, got to say that, because I didn't see any girls getting sick. Um, but I think the heat really makes people sick, doesn't it? And it's kind of like you see them and yeah. you're like, oh, God, oh, God, why aren't I being sick? Um, well, I don't think yeah. people realise that dehydration makes you sick. Really? Yeah. I just think it's like just keep drinking water all the time, little sips of water all the time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's 
I just found it it was great. Like I feel like I could do another couple this year. And um that but the problem with that is you think you can do it and then something goes wrong. And I was just I'm lucky, something didn't go wrong. I managed to eat properly and then the week after I decided to go and do the wall, which is just sixty nine miles. Because <laughs> <laughs> that that's quite road based as well, isn't it? Oh my god, I've never done an ultra on the road before. And again, I'm s i am I didn't really look at it. I was like, Oh, there's gotta be a bit of trail there, but there's not. Um and I was pretty tired when I started, to be honest. And um, but Lorna was doing that as well. So Lorna was, that was her longest race. So okay. met her again, met her and Dom. Was she start. racing that one though? Or was she pacing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she was racing that one. And she's like, can I run with you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Because I'm thinking, it's her first one, she'll take it easy. I stuck with her for about a mile and a half. And then she was off like a rocket. <laughs> um, and I was, I just chatted my way around. There's so many lovely people at rat race events and I made some yeah. lovely new friends and it was, and I had a nice time, but I started to lose my sense of humor because again, it was warm. It was kind of warm and damp. And then it really hammered down with rain. You know, like when you have buckets of water thrown over you yeah. and we were soaked and it was horrible. And then the sun came out and it was like lava. Everything was like, like, you know, and so no suntan lotion, it's boiling. Um, but when I got to Hexham, I had uh, a little, cr- not crew, because you're not allowed crew in rat race events. I had a person that I knew there, just happened to be there and fancy going for a run with me. Um, and uh, so I get, get to the Hexham aid station and uh, I find out that Lorna is uh, first or second lady. And I'm like, what, man? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and Lorna's wonderful husband, Dom, hmm. has taken it upon himself to become the host of the Hexham aid station. And as soon as the second lady comes in, sits her down and he introduces her to all of the aid station staff and it's like this is where you get chili this is where you get crisps do you want me to get you something to eat would you like something to drink I basically charmed her into staying at the aid station for about 25 <laughs> no. minutes was it close before then or it was pretty close yeah but this woman had no idea that she was in second place because the trackers weren't working so she was like this guy's just being really nice to oh, me oh wow really, there was a do better plan in place clever so, clever so, so yeah. did she win it then? No, she actually was actually came second because we thought that the girl in front of her was in um, a team, but she wasn't. Okay. Um, but second is amazing for your yeah. first first go at that. And um, I lost my sense of humour towards the end. Like running into Newcastle on a Saturday night, it's something else. Kids literally like smashing glass bottles and and uh, being kids. And it keeps um, you moving at least. Yeah, it does keep you moving. But I had to have a poo in a bush, and then I was scared that somebody might see me and think it was some sort of weird game. But um, <laughs> it, it was fine. No one saw me. And then, uh, as you cross over the bridge to the to the final um, sort of final stretch, there's Spike, and he's standing there with two cold brew dogs. <laughs> cross the line, open my brew dog, and everything was fine. And it was great. They had a little sleepy room. They had a really cheap bar. They had uh, loads of food. Um, so yeah, it was really, really lovely. And people take the piss out of the wall and say there's not much wall on it. But I tell you what, there's a lot of wall, and it's very nice. But also, it's not as if Rat Race can go out and rebuild Hadrian's Wall. They no. they're pretty much tied to what's out there already. And sadly, you know, this is a what two thousand year old wall. Not yeah. all of it survives. So. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are like, why can't we run on the trail next to it? But the thing is, it's an archaeological site, and if you've got However, like 900, 1,000 rat racers stampeding down there. Mm. They're going to do some damage. So that's why they stick you on the road, basically. But it was very, very beautiful. And I highly recommend it as a first ultra for anyone because there's a lot of support on it. If anything, you'll end up staying at the aid stations for too long because there's so much delicious stuff there. Like, I made a mocha at one of them. I had a delicious <laughs> mocha. 
Um, and there were cakes and there, it was just really lovely. Um, and also the time, the, the cutoffs are not really harsh. So um, you'll, you'll make it even if you need to have a good old walk. But uh, yeah, it was lovely. But I tell you what, I, I think road ultras are not for me because my legs were in shreds at the end of it. They were just, yeah, just it, it makes such a difference. And, and actually part of it is that um, road ultras are less likely to be hilly, which means you never slow down. Yeah, that's it. Walking was hard. It was like it, it got really hot, so walking yeah. was made a lot easier. But um, but the people are so nice. Like you run through these little caravan sites, and they've all got oranges and strawberries. And the local greengrocer comes out and chops up loads of his food and gives it to you. And it's like <laughs> people are so nice here. Um, but yeah, it was lovely. But it was a big old double weekend of running. So yeah. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it too bad as if you've just done a hundred miler. Then, no. well, I, I'm still not even running properly, having done comrades what a month ago. So, yeah. uh, and because the wall was potentially going to be one of my A races for this year, but yeah. it, sadly we were still in South Africa. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a race where it's set up for people who are rat racers who are used to doing 20 milers, adventure races, to do a longer run and to yeah. do like a, their first big ultra rather than full of people that have are ticking off the boxes of every ultra, you know, around the world. Yeah, it was it was really, really nice. And I think, you know, because with rat race, it's like, you know, you're having lols at most of the races. There's always something fun to do. Yeah. But that this one, I think, is probably their only kind of serious road based ultra because there's nothing to jump over or in or up. There's a wall. Yeah. You can jump on the wall. You're not supposed to. Um, but, you know, it's um, yeah, it's um, it was just really lovely seeing people coming in and having done their first ultra. And and, you know, they were very happy. There were lots of tears, and lots of cuddles and all that sort mm. of stuff. And uh and well done, Lorna, because she smashed that. She's she's scary, but brilliant. Clearly got to come back next year, try and get the win. What, Lorna? Not yeah. me. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, she should. I'm scared about when she starts doing hundreds now. She's <laughs> going to become my ultimate nemesis. Well, the, the good thing is you are, you need to crew her. So you've now got this partnership, which probably means you're never going to race each other because you'll just alternate them. That is true, but I don't think anybody wants me as crew, to be quite honest, because I get bored and I go to the pub and I, <laughs> I go and, you know, have a sit down and um, or go for a sleep in the car. So I'm not yeah. sure how good crew I will be. Um, but yeah, <laughs> fun. Well, should we uh, should we move on to the main event of the yes. of the podcast? Yes. Well, we've uh, we've got a guest who came to my attention recently because um, not only has she been um, making waves as a blogger, but actually she was chosen, and I'm not I'm not really sure what that is, what this is exactly, but I want to be it. It's Adventurer of the Year for National Geographic, which I don't really understand how it fits in with ultra running, but um, incredible that it does. But um, the reason why we wanted to get Mona on the show is because she's. Um, as I mentioned slightly before, she's um, she's a blogger, but in in terms of the the people that we normally see running, she's she's fairly different. Um, she is how do I say this without being? I don't. I, I'm. Uh, I, this is. Hello, hello. I think I should take over here. I think I should take over here. It's so offensive. <laughs> Good girl. I'm fat. I call myself fat, so it's okay if you call me fat. You can call me. Um, Plus size, curvilicious. I don't like obese or overweight because whose weight am I over? Whatever. Anyway, so um, I think curvilicious is the winner. Curvilicious. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I like that one. I'm liking that a lot. Big fan of that. So, um, Mona is is curvilicious, and um, and and that's 
that's brought a lot of attention to her from the running world, from the, the in, international media in general. But we just thought it'd be great to, to have a chat to find out how she got into running, what the reaction really in society is towards that and what that says about us. And um, and then just to get some advice on, um, on on how things are different for her and her training and, and what that entails. So welcome to the show, Berta! Yay! Hey. How are you doing? I am great. I'm, I'm wonderful. I'm really, really busy. Um, I'm actually in between several things right now. I'm yeah. about to travel for a couple of days to do some speaking engagements and um, book signings. And uh, yeah, and, and then I'm going to be in the Azores next week traveling. So you caught me at a really good time. I'm actually home for two seconds. Oh, perfect. I mean, it, it sounds like um, the last couple of years have just been an absolute whirlwind. Um, yeah, a whirlwind is uh, understating it a little bit. <laughs> it's been more of a tornado, hurricane kind of thing, in a good way, in a very good way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, the uh, to link it back to something I'd said on the podcast previously. Basically, I, I, I run with a club called London Heathside, and we we see ourselves as the they call themselves London's friendliest running club. And we had cross country race where at the end of it we took a picture. And everyone was patting themselves on the back and like, oh, look how great we are. Look at the age range amongst us. Look how friendly we are. And then someone mentioned diversity. And, uh, yeah, everyone kind of it just went a bit quiet and like, oh, God, it's actually it's it's ridiculous how undiverse. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if it's just our area of North London or but um, I mean, it's it's what what's your response from other runners been to you? I mean, you tick a lot of boxes on the diversity scale, I guess. Right, right. Okay, so you know, just to kind of start from the beginning, um, I so I'm black, um, African American or um, Afro Latino, um, I'm all those, and uh, I am a bigger girl, curvilicious. Um, I call myself fat. Um, I am you know, I guess middle-aged now, 42. Um, and uh, I've got a son who's 14 and he will be 15 tomorrow, actually. Happy birthday, Rashi. <laughs> and so, and I, and I run um, marathons, ultra marathons. I complete, no, I didn't really complete it. Um, I started a six day stage race uh, that I'm going to do again this uh, summer, but um, I do a lot of different things. I'm a teacher. I am, um, I also work in the area of diversity at my school. I am the director of equity and inclusion, uh, which is essentially the director of diversity. And so I deal with all of these different cultural identifiers in my, in my work. And so that spills over into all of the running that I do. So when you're talking about diversity and runners, yeah. uh, you know, depending on where you go, you will have, uh, maybe a little bit of diversity or none at all, uh, whatever. <laughs> To you or a lot of diversity. And so, um, and, and, you know, I, my, my real love is for trail running and ultra running on trails. And so yeah. it, there is increasing diversity in that, uh, in that area and that space, uh, not enough. Um, and it just also in terms of the types of bodies and the types of, of human beings that are out there, but it, it, it is increasing and that's a good thing to see. Um, you know, years ago, you might not have seen anybody that looked like me, uh, my, my race, my size, uh, my gender, because it was mm. a lot of female, uh, mostly white and male. And, but now there, there is, um, a little bit more of a differentiation in terms of who participates in these sports. And so like, so when you say I check off a lot of boxes, I do. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I love, being um being uh, a representative of all different types of communities within the running community um yeah. you know at uh, 
thin, skinny, black, Latino, female, um, educator, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's been a really fun ride. And I, and I think that's why, um, I've gotten a little bit of notoriety over the past couple of years. It's because, you know, like I, I represent a lot of different people and uh, a lot of different ways of being within the running community. And so, so where did it all begin then? Have you always been a runner or is it something that you just fell into? Very good question. Um, I, uh, I actually started running. I'm 42, as I said. I started running when I was 13 in high school. My very first year in high school. Um, I don't know what you guys call that over there. Is it high school? Yeah, well, we, we, uh, we watch Secondary enough. school. Secondary school. Secondary yeah. school, yes. Um, I actually um, I played field hockey and lacrosse. Those were my two sports, and I really loved those sports. And I and I used running as a way to get better at those sports because there was so much running. I'm, I'm a girl from the city. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And the, the extent of running that I did was running up and down the block from the uh, fire hydrants to the pole – and back. And so, and so when I got to high school and when I tried out for these sports, there was so much running on grass. I had never run on grass before and, and, uh, with cleats and, and with a mouth guard and a stick and a ball. And in order to get better at that, I needed to, I needed to run. You know, there's so much running here and, and they made us run a mile. Um, uh, you can convert that into kilometers. Um, uh, and, um, uh, for uh, a warm up, and then they made us run a timed mile for the second thing, and I'd never done that much running, so <laughs> I knew that that was the, the thing that I needed to work on. And so the next day, I got up in the morning and I ran the four or five loops of, of the field that they um, had had us run the, the day before, and I did it every day uh, until I got better, until I was able to do it without stopping, until I became a better member of the team, because I really wanted to contribute, because I really love the sports. So that was that was back in 1989, yes. uh, when I started, and it seems so long ago. <laughs> and, and so I continued all running through high school and college recreationally, um, and I didn't really play any um, formal sports in, in college. But and then afterwards, I continued running. And then back in 2004, I actually stopped running um, regularly because um, I had had a baby, uh, got married before then. And, uh, and we then can I blame moved. your son, can we? Well, yeah, it's everything. <laughs> the fact that I'm, I'm almost and I still don't think. Anyway, so, um, you know, so... Uh, so from 2004 to 2008 was really a really rough period for me uh, emotionally, uh, physically. Um, I had gotten out of the routine of exercising every day. Mm. And so for, for me, like, I gained a lot of weight, which uh, for me was too much weight on my personal body, you know. And so um, I ended up moving from there. I moved from New York City to Maryland, a little bit further south. And where I had to drive everywhere. In New York, as you know, as in uh, London, mm. you walk everywhere. You take public transport, constantly walking up and down stairs. You're always moving. Not so much in other areas of our country, um, the U.S. And so I, um, so that was a really big change for me. And so I decided that I needed to move um, back up north, a couple of hours up north, and um, a year into that, I thought I was having a heart attack at one point. And uh, and it was due to all of this this the stress level that I was experiencing, the fact that I wasn't working out. I probably wasn't. Well, I know I wasn't eating very well for myself. 
And, um, and so I visited a cardiologist and he told me basically that I was going to die if I didn't change my lifestyle. And uh, that was what I needed to hear. And mm. so I immediately, the day after that appointment, I got back on to my treadmill, uh, which I had purchased a couple of weeks before. <laughs> I, I guess I that I needed, I needed to get back on the wagon. And so um, I cleaned off all the clothes that were hanging off the railings and the shoes that were on the belt. And I got back on and I ran my, I ran and walked my first mile you know, in over three years. And uh, it was really tough. It was really uh, mentally tough, more than it was physically tough. It was painful physically. Mm. Uh, but I said, you know what? I need to do better. And I got back on the next day and the next day. And, and eventually I, um, I got back into a place where I really looked forward to doing it every single day, um, even if it was just a mile. I would do a mile to three miles. And then I, I decided I need a goal, right? Because yeah. I, I was actually mm-hmm. losing. And I was doing other things. I was, um, I was doing lots of uh, videos. I did this one video called Yoga Booty Ballet. Uh, What's it called? Yoga Booty Ballet. Yoga Booty Ballet. Oh, I, I've seen films like that. Uh, you know, it was great. You know, it firmed up my booty. Anyway, so um, I did those things, and, and not and at some point, it was not even about losing weight anymore. It was just about the way I was feeling and the way. Um, I, I started to sleep. I started to um, not be as sick all the time. Mm. And so I um, so I needed a goal. I signed up for a 5K. I did it. I wasn't impressed with my time. So I said, well, clearly I need to do another one and another one and another one. And so that kind of built up momentum. And then I signed up for 10Ks, half marathons. A friend said, hey, why don't you do well, a marathon? While you, were, you know? while you were kind of building up, because I, I think for a lot of people, the, yeah. the, there's, there's probably two big steps. Like the first mm-hmm. one is, the first time you run if you haven't run before you haven't for a while that feeling of almost suffocating um right but, but i think for a lot of people who mm-hmm. are overweight actually the second one you said you signed up for that 5k but mm-hmm. i mean that that to me is probably the the biggest step because a lot of people are really nervous about how they're going to look and people staring at them and coming last and sure. was that was that not an issue for you or you know what i didn't care about any of that but i but i get it i get that you know, people have created this whole narrative around who they are and how people mm. look at them, how people perceive them. Um, and none of that, a lot of that isn't true. It's, it's all stuff that we create in our own mm. minds. Um, and so I, you know, I was going into it for me. I wasn't going, I didn't care about what other people were doing. I needed a goal. So that's what I was focused on. Mm. I was focused on me going out there, beating my last time or just, uh, or just getting some exercise in a social atmosphere. Um, there were lots of times when I came and almost last, not in the 5K, because there are a lot of walkers in 5Ks. Yeah. And so, you know, you're probably not going to be last. And if you're last, who cares? You are beating the people that are still sitting on the couch and eating pancakes. You know, so um, I don't eat pancakes on my couch. But anyway. So, <laughs> I do. So do I. So, you know, I think um, I think it, it's very important to know why you're doing something and yeah. let that frame 
your experience. Um, if you're doing it to get a workout and if you if you're doing it as a goal, know that there are going to be other people who have similar goals as you out there. They may have different goals and that's OK. Let people have their goals. You have your goals. You do you. I think it's really, really important to know that this is your journey. And if you have to keep saying that to yourself, this is my journey. This is no one else's journey. Then, you know, maybe that needs to be one of your mantras. Um, you know, again, knowing that there are going to be people faster than you. And that's okay. They're just faster. It doesn't mean that they're better human beings. It doesn't mean that they work harder. It means that they're doing what they need to do for their body. So why don't you do the same for yourself? And when you, I mean, you're saying this is my journey um, as, as, a, as a mantra. Is that because other people keep on trying to project on you their thoughts? Oh, absolutely. or absolutely. People will always try to project their own their own journeys, their own perceptions of what fitness is onto you. And that's, that's just a given. That's the way humans are. That's the way we interact. But the great thing is that we do have the intellectual capability to separate ourselves from that. We do. And we, it, sometimes we have to practice. Um, sometimes we have to know that this person, you know, who is asking me why I'm running and why I'm not just going on a diet, that is mm. his perception of what fitness is. That is not my mm-hmm. perception. So are you getting a lot of kind of catcalls and things then? Um, not, you know, not so much anymore. Um, mm. Earlier on, um, not necessarily heckled, but like people would just say comments and, and passing. Well, you know, I, you know, maybe you should just walk. You're going to ruin your knees. Maybe, uh, you know, you would lose weight faster if you walked. Well, brother, I am training for three marathons, running marathons. So, um, yeah. Oh, my bad. You know, so like sometimes you have to have like some, some comebacks and, and sometimes, you know, you just have to let it roll off you. And it's really hard. Mm. It's really hard those comments roll off of you, especially when it comes all the time. But, um, just, but just, oh, you have to know that people are going to project whatever their own insecurities, whatever their own perceptions are on you uh, and know that they're not your own. OK, so this I mean, is that- really interesting because I am um, at the weekend was talking about what a good runner is. You know, people like you're a good runner. That person's a good runner. And I don't think being a good runner is a it's necessarily about speed at all. I think there's so many other bits that go with it, you know, and you talking about having a goal and sticking to that goal and going out every day and, you know, being aware that it is your journey. I think that's kind of more important when it comes to being a good runner, whatever that is. So, like, you know, how would you define a good runner? A good runner? Um, I think a good runner is someone who is consistent, who works for their goal, just like you said, um, and somebody, you know, who does. Work, try to work on form and stride and, and who tries to learn as much as they can about the sport so that they can improve themselves, you know, so in, in whatever the way that they want to improve, if, if they want to improve endurance. Some, so if you are working, constantly working on endurance and you have a plan and it's and you, you know, can check off your little goals um, as you are achieving a bigger goal, I think that is what a good runner is. Somebody who doesn't put down other people um, in their own journeys is a good runner. I think it, it encompasses a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, who we are as humans, you know, and not just yeah, the mechanical yeah. aspect of running, but, you know, your spirit and 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 the way that you carry yourself within the running community. I, you know, not just, you know, well, I'm going to train, you know, I'm going to do five miles a day or I'm going to do 10K yeah. a day. And that makes me a good runner. No, what makes you a good runner is all of the, all of those things. And you, you, you mentioned how you've, you went 5K, then 10K, stepping up to marathons, and you've obviously done ultras now. But what has really been, 
what's driven you to take the next step up? Are you always wanting to better yourself in terms of the length or is it a different um, approach or is it a different challenge or? Um, I think for me, I really love the challenge of, of um, long distance and, and how far my body is willing to go before it says, please Myrna stop. Um, I, I really love that. I love, I love the challenge of, of, of mental grit. I love that. And so that's where I, keep pushing myself mainly. Um, I do sometimes have time goals. Like I do want to, I do want to eventually be able to go back to a 10 minute mile, well to go to a 10 minute mile. I've never been able to run a 10 minute mile. Um, so that's something that's an overarching goal that I have for, you know, a long time. Um, and I, and I do, I work towards that, but I really, really love distance. And so eventually I'd love to do the Tahoe 200 miler, um, in a couple of years, you know, so I love, that's how I push myself. I, I feel like that's where my body lives. Uh, it, it, it performs well in distance, you know, I can endure, I can go 10 hours, 12 hours, 13 hours, mm. uh, 25 hours, 55 minutes and 59 seconds. <laughs> oh. That's, that is, uh, that's where I love to be. Because when you come into these races, because I I tend to train so that I hopefully don't have to walk unless it's a <laughs> mm-hmm. steep hill. Um, do you do you run as far as you can and then take it from there, or have you always got a kind of run walk strategy from the start? Well, uh, recently um, I've been working with a coach, and I will never go back to not working with a coach. <laughs> um, and he has me actually doing um, either four minute four minute run intervals with a minute of uh, walking recovery and then four minutes or eight minutes and eight minutes running two minutes walking. Um, and, and, but previously I didn't have any sort of plan. I would just, mm. I would run until um, I knew that I was going to need a break uh, and then I would walk and then I would run again. And so sometimes I was four minutes. Sometimes I'd run for an hour and then take a break. Um, and that seemed to work for me. Um, but I really like these timed intervals. Um, it's, it's more systematic and it's, you know, mm. I can, you know, my body feels the rhythm of it. So, um, but you know, I, I've never needed to run the entire thing. I've never wanted really, I didn't, you know, I'm all about distance. I, I, you know, if it's 5k, I want to do the 3.1 miles. If it's a, mm. if it's 10k, like, I just want to make sure I complete the distance no matter how I, I get there. Mm. Mm. And and I, th- I think as well, especially if you're doing set times of running and walking, you feel a lot more in control of the situation than if you're just saying, let's see how far I can get. And then when you get to that point where you can't run and we've all been there, then mm-hmm. it's really hard. It's so much harder than thinking, great, I've got a little break coming up and you feel like you've lost but, control of the race, really. But it's, it's also interesting, like, you know, when you get to ultra distance, because I, before I ever did my first ultra, I was like, I will never walk ever because walking is failure. And then you get to you start doing these longer distances. You're like, you've got to. And then you, you get hills and trails. You're like, I've got to. But I still know a lot of people who are like, no, you can't walk. Like, that's a complete fail. Whereas I'm like, when you look at these longer distances, if you're going to walk, you're going to cover them quicker than the people that are trying to run them. who probably won't cover them because they'll just burn out. Um, so, you know, but that's another thing. Isn't it? You know, that's like the thing you were saying before about your journey. It's right. not what anyone else thinks, but still, you're like, I don't want people to think I'm awful. Like, it's really interesting. 
Yeah, and I think um, if you look at any of the elites uh, who compete uh, internationally or, you know, um, Kylian Yorne or, or, you know, Scott Durek, they everybody walks hills unless mm. you're a freak. <laughs> and, you know, because it wastes energy. And, um, and, you know, everybody wants to be able to recover and, you know, be their best when they're actually running. So, um, so I think for anybody that says, you know, if you walk, you're a failure, um, you know, that's that I think that's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, if if that's your own personal goal and you feel like a failure when you walk, that's on you. That is not on anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, from from what you said so far, it, it all sounds too easy. I've got to be honest. I don't know if this. You see, I I find with them um, with American people we interview they're they're so much better at having their kind of story concise and almost media ready. So. I want to know, I mean, it's it almost sounds like, yeah, I'd run a mile and then a 5K, 10K marathon. What? <laughs> there must have been some really hard points in there, some low points, some challenges, maybe unique to you, maybe. Um, I mean, what, tell us more about that, because I think that's actually more useful almost for people to hear, because then they can empathize. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, actually, um, my running life is perfect. There are no problems. No. <laughs> Um, I actually been having this week actually <laughs> been really, really tough. Yeah. Um, I, um, well, I did the Boston marathon a few weeks ago. Yeah. I was sick. It was very hard. I was sick and I was uh, dealing with a slight ankle injury. And it looks horrific. And the, yeah, the, uh, the weather. Yeah. It was monsooning the entire time, the entire time. <laughs> and it was absolutely miserable. I know I'm smiling and everything. You see me through the video, but uh, it was awful. The entire time was awful. The weekend was great, but the actual race was, you know, it was not at the top of my list because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was, Sick. I had a fever the night before, and uh, but you know I was on a special team, and uh, and I had been invited to the marathon, and so I there was uh, there was a an imperative for me to finish, and uh, had it been any other marathon, I would have dropped out, but um, I, I was feeling pretty bad, and um, and then I continued to get sick afterwards. I finished, uh, I got my medal, and got my jacket, my finisher jacket, and everything, um, but it was you know, and I was at, at the end, I was uh, being videoed, I was being. Uh, recorded and uh i could not get out of my bad mood you know normally i can <laughs> pop right back up and say hey it's the motivator you know uh, and uh but i was in such a bad mood and i i didn't even care that i finished i was like it is raining i'm tired i'm cold i'm wet i sucked, you know and i could not get myself out until i rehydrated and 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 got into some warm clothes and stuff so like it wasn't all roses and and yeah. and you know, peonies and babies. it was definitely um, thorns the entire day and so but that's um, good that's good that people see that because you know it's not all like shiny instagram i've just been on a run look at my face like it's good i, I love a whinge i think it's important to whinge so people know how hard it is right oh my goodness and and that that definitely was hard and then i got you know that was continued being sick but then i had less than a two weeks later i had a 50k and that 50k it was it was tough, but mm. because I'd had such a bad not a bad experience, uh, just a, a hard time running in Boston, uh, it made the 50k just seem like that was really <laughs> so. I definitely had moments within that were hard. I fell a couple of times, um, and and it, it was on that course that I had uh, broken my ankle a few years ago. So this is my retribution, Ooh, okay. and 
you know, right in the same area, you know, I spoke aloud to the trail. I said, listen, trail, I know you are boss. And I, I felt crazy saying this. I know you are boss. I'm here to make amends with you. And uh, and then as soon as I said that, I fell. And it was really funny because I know you're boss. Oh, like, I know it. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. And uh, and then I fell again. And so, um, but, you know, there are those moments, but, you know, those, uh, the, that's pretty me. reserved. I think I'd have gone to the toilet on the trail at that stage. I'd have pissed all over that trail. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> but then, you know, but then I probably would have broken my leg or something, you know. So, so it's, it's, I think that, I think your different experiences and different races, it, they, they temper each other. You know, you are going to have really hard times and, uh, but the, the, mo- that makes, all those bad times and the hard times and the dark moments make mm. the make the positive moments so much more beautiful and poignant. So, um, so yeah, definitely. Like, I don't this week. I, I've been sick basically since Boston, but I've been I've still been racing. Not don't do what I do. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, and I've got uh, you know I've got the Azores 65k trail run coming up next week, and um, and I have not been able to train like I want to, and I really want to go out and run, but I've got this cough, uh, but I've got to be ready for this race. And so, like, I'm, I'm struggling internally with whether or not I should go and run. Is it going to make me get pneumonia? And so, like, that's really hard to deal with when, you know, this is such uh, a, a, an important part of my life. So, yeah, not everything is rainbows. And um, it's, you know, and then I have to go to work after this and and you know travel so yeah it's not all fun but um it is but i love every minute of the journey maybe not necessarily in the moment Mm. um but you know looking back on it and reflecting i i've you know it has made me who i am a better human being i think and and do you find with these longer races because you've i think you've even done 120 mile haven't you um, I have attempted 120 miler. That was the Trans Rockies, but uh, I'm gonna attempt it again. That's, okay. that's why I have my coach. Uh-huh. So what happened? Um, well, tell us about that one then. It sounds like Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah talk about failure. Um, and, like epic failure. Um, so <laughs> Trans Rockies six days uh, race is a stage race. Um, over six days in the Rockies in uh in the uh Colorado Rocky Mountains, and yeah. so um. I am at last year I finished 75 miles um and 14,250 feet of elevation again you can um Whoa. translate that <laughs> wow yeah and and uh so uh, in meters I guess um so I uh, I went out and and I got really uh really sick from the altitude I got altitude sickness and yeah. And so I was not able to complete every day. So I only completed two days, um, two full days. And then I would go out as much as I could for the next couple of days. And so, um, so yeah, and, and, but in that, I be, it was so difficult. Um, it was so, uh, yeah, that was the most difficult thing that I had done because we were, we we're, you know, up really, really high, you know, we're, mm. we're traveling on the trails at the Leadville, uh, 100 goes through and, and so my body wasn't used to that. I thought I had trained enough, but I learned my lesson. Uh, I had not trained for the uh-huh. altitude. 
I can do miles all day, but the altitude really um, got to me. But so now this year I have a different plan. I have, I've hired a coach. I'm going to be out there a couple of weeks before the race. I'm going to train all the way up until, until I start. Um, and, and hopefully I'll have a better experience, but that's not to say I had a bad experience. I, you know, I used it as a uh, content creation kind of thing. stories i met lots of great people it was basically grown-up camp grown-up running camp you know we after after the run each day we would hang out and chill and relax drink some beer have some wine you know shoot the shit with people and so it was it it really was a great experience and and this year will be hopefully be different um and hopefully i'll finish most of the days if not all and uh yeah so like there's still spaces left by the way if people want to do it (laughs) I'll come, I'll come. <laughs> well, I think altitude awesome. as well. I mean, it's so hard to prepare for unless you oh, yeah. happen to be. Um, well, I mean, you can't prepare for it in the UK unless you go to a, a kind of altitude chamber, which who can oh, afford wow. that? And, mm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I actually live in the mountains, but we're, our mountains are not as high as the mountains up in uh, Colorado. So, like, I had a little bit, but it was it was nothing compared to you know being basically in the sky. <laughs> And so with the, the growth of your blog then, how has, um, at what point did that start kicking in? At what point did did you start becoming a spokesperson to a certain extent? And is that something you wanted to actually be? Um, well, to answer your last question, no, I never expected anything like this to come out of me writing stories about my running. Mm. Um, so so I have this blog called Fat Girl Running, and um, I started it, I started writing in it in 2011. I named it in 2009 when I first started to sort of become aware of myself as um, this runner rebirth. And so, um, so when I started training for my first marathon, which was the Marine Corps marathon in Washington, DC, I said, you know, I really want to share my stories of being a long, a bigger long distance runner in a field of thinner athletes, because, Mm. you know, I'd gotten some comments like we talked about before. And, and I just had these stories that I wanted to tell, you know, or I wanted to um, talk about my training and how it affected my body and my spirit. And so that's what I did. Um, and so in 2011. And so I didn't write in it very frequently. I just, you know, whenever I had a story, I would write it. Um, and then and then I would share it with my family and friends. And then sometimes they would share it to their circles. And so but in 2015, I get an email from Wall Street Journal. And, hey, you know, we've been, you know, reading your blog. We really like it. I'd love to interview you about whether or not it's, it's still worth working out if you're not losing weight. I'm like, oh, that's right <laughs> up my alley. <laughs> I don't know how many stone that is, but um, but I'd lost a lot of weight. But then I then I plateaued at losing weight, even though I was working out a lot, and, you know, eating pretty well. And um, but I didn't care because I just wanted to run. That's all I wanted to do. And so. So she interviewed me, the article went up the next week, and then bam, I'm starting to get media requests. Like, what? I What? Like, what? Me? And then uh, a few weeks later, I get um, a, an email from an author, from a writer at Runner's World. Hey, we would love to feature you um, in our magazine. Would you be amenable to that? And I said, what? Do, do they know I'm fat? I, I mean, because I've never seen <laughs> And so, um, so that happened. I didn't believe it was going to actually happen until the, the, um, the writer of the article, John Brent came down to Georgia and interviewed me, stayed with me for three days. 
interviewed me, ran with me a couple of times, interviewed my friends and, and some of my students. And and uh, and then a photographer came down. And, and so this article was published and then, bam, my world exploded. Uh, I could not keep up with the media requests and the messages and um, <laughs> 90, 95%, which were like positive and just encouraging. And, and then a couple of weeks after that, I get a note from NBC Nightly News, which is one of our big, uh, you know, uh, media things here. And, and so that, like, talk about an explosion and just like a new, a new normal. Um, that really just catapulted me onto uh, lots of different media outlets, and then and so that that was the start of it in two thousand February of two thousand fifteen, and and it has been absolutely crazy since then. You know, with at BuzzFeed and Upworthy and um, and Urban Running Magazine, and and there's countless others that I'm forgetting right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fatboy Running, Fatboy Running, of course. Fatboy Running, you know. And so, um, you know, it's. Uh, it's been it's been a wild ride, and 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 I I really appreciate the the opportunity to have a platform to represent um, athletes who have been traditionally ignored and underrepresented, and um, I I I love it, and I and and it's brought me a lot of different opportunities, a lot of opportunities to travel the world, to travel my country, um, to speak to different people. I'm speaking tonight at a film festival. Um, and then, t- and then I'm speaking tomorrow at uh, a marathon training kickoff in Wisconsin. And then, <laughs> you know, then I'm traveling to somewhere else and I'm Azores next week. And, and so it, you know, it's been really incredible. Like, and, and it actually has allowed me to stop teaching. This is my last day. In fact, no way. Hey, yes. sack it off. Just do a podcast Amazing. all day. Take, go in. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so you know, um, so you know, I'm really excited, and I'm really, I'm really grateful for everything that's come at me in the last three years. And, hey, Mana, this is a really strange question, but, and I feel weird. Do you, because of the fact that you know you kind of built this brand, and you being this awesome, curvilicious runner, do you worry about losing weight? Do you worry that that suddenly you'll become this like skinny girl, and everyone's going to be like, "Man, you sold out by losing weight." Like, do you have to keep the weight off? Like, how does that work? I'm just interested. Yeah, no, Missy Elliott style. That's a really, that's a really good question because my mom has the same concern. Um, as I was training for Boston, I actually didn't lose weight, but I got significantly thinner, and I um, actually gained eight pounds, whatever that is in stones, and. Um, I, uh, but I was thinner. And so my mom was like, well, you know, you're losing all this weight. What are people going to think? I'm like, I don't really care. I'm, I'm just, this is my journey. I will always, I will never be thin. I will, I might be thinner than I am right now. I might look thinner. I might be more muscular or less muscular, but my body, um, stops around 239, um, pounds, 239 pounds. And, and it won't go below that. And, And that's been for the last 20 or so years. So, um, uh, so I, I'm not worried. And, and, and if I do lose weight, if I do get significantly thinner, I still have the same message. You know, you can whoever you are mm-hmm. and whatever body you have, you can be an athlete. You are an athlete. In fact, you just have to wake up the athlete in you. So that's that's my main message. And, um, you know, I, I did get some flack um, for um, naming my blog Fat Girl Running because people said, you know, well, why don't you call it Fit Girl Running or Fit the Fat or Girl Running? I'm like, but I'm a fat girl. I've all, you know, since third grade, I've identified <laughs> you know chubby or fat or whatever and so Mm. um you know and so like even if i do get thinner i'm still bigger than 
you know, what people think is straight size. So, um, mm-hmm. so I'm not, I'm not worried about that. And again, if I do, then that, that happens to my body. That's the way my body reacts to whatever I'm doing. And have you found, because we've talked about you becoming a spokeswoman, you've mentioned a little mm-hmm. bit about what it is you're really trying to communicate with people. Have you found, though, that magazines, individuals um, have been trying to push you into saying other things or to representing slightly different causes than what you'd like? You know, I, I, that's a really great question. I have been very, very <laughs> fortunate in that no one has asked me to be somebody that I'm not. And, you know, I, I, I actually can't do that. It doesn't it doesn't gel with my own personal brand. Um, it doesn't gel with just who I am at my core. You know, if you want me to uh, do a weight loss thing, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. Like I, I have gotten um, it's people and different companies have reached out to me about waist trainers or, you know, there's this new plan that we'd love for you to to represent. And, 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 you know, if it's not part of who I am, I'm not about, you know, weight loss just for aesthetic purposes. Um, I'm not about that. And I don't, you know, I block those people and I say, well, thank you for your offer, but no. Um, and so, you know, because I've, I've got all these other things going on and all these other opportunities anyway, um, and I'm not going to soil or tarnish mm. my message with anything that doesn't fit within my message because i know you've mentioned body positivity as as one of your um big mantras i mean what what would you define that as i mean typically when when people say body positivity is it's a notion that all bodies are good bodies and i i do believe that um i but within that there's all of these different segments uh or denominations um, of, of that of that movement you know there's like a fattest acceptance movement there's the body the the health at every size movement and then there, there are particular elements of those sub movements that I do support and then there's some that I don't support like for for example I really think deep down in my heart that everybody should move every day like, you know intentionally like in, in terms of exercise but there are some parts of those movements that don't don't necessarily agree with that um, but, you know, I take what, what the elements, what are the elements that um, I really love and that I really, um, I live in my own life of all of those movements. And then, you know, and, and I have my own personal sort of, sort of uh, message and movement. So, so from what you said, I mean, it's, and I'm reading between the lines a little bit. It sounds like mm-hmm. a lot of your training is, has been done by yourself. Um, yes. Is, is that because there isn't really the infrastructure or the community to support people who aren't doing the kind of sub 330 marathons. No, you know what? There are increasingly, there are um, many, many ways for people to, uh, for people who don't, who aren't the 330 marathoners or sub four marathoners Mm. um, to, Mm. to get out and do their workouts and do like, and get, personal training and stuff. And I have definitely had personal trainers. Um, I was recently working with a weight coach and uh, a weight lifting coach. Um, and so, so there are definitely those things. I think a lot of people are scared to sign either sign up for personal training because the messages that we get, well, you know, you're doing this to lose weight. And so that's all we're going to focus on. Mm-hmm. We're not going to focus on, you know, you becoming mm-hmm. a better athlete or you, yeah. you want, you want to shrink yeah. your weight. We want to shrink your thighs. And that's, you know, so that kind of keeps some people away from signing up for those things. And, and you know, like you go to a gym and like, we're burning calories, we're burning calories. And so mm-hmm. um, I've learned to uh, become uh, to like tune that out because I, I know what I want. I know what I need. Um, and if and, and I know how to communicate 
um, when I went to a weightlifting coach. My last weightlifting coach was amazing. I said, I really, I just want to be stronger. I want to be able to, um, to do uh, all of these hills that I'm going to be doing at Trans Rocky. So can you help me get my legs stronger? And that's what she did. I was, and, and I told her specifically, I am not here to lose weight. If I, if I happen to lose weight, if I happen to get thinner while I'm doing that, that's, that's fine. But I, you know, I don't want you to constantly be like, well, you know, taking my measurements and, you know, because that's not what this is about. This is about me becoming a stronger human being. So I, I think, the more and more we communicate what we need, and if you know what, if you want to lose weight, that's that's fine. Then communicate that with your personal trainer. But when you are in a situation where you know it's constantly beat down into you, and that's not what you're about, then mm. it's it's you know it's really important to communicate that to the person that you've hired to train you, or you know, hey, can you can you stop? saying that like I really just want to get stronger I'm going to be fit um and you know I, I the think, fact that calories yeah I think there's a lot of people out there though where personal training would be very much a um a luxury that they couldn't yes. they wouldn't yeah. Necessarily, yeah exactly and and I mean for me I I do a lot of running by myself I'm lucky enough that my girlfriend's a runner as well but actually the hard sessions that I do I do with a running club because um, I need that support. I need someone else almost telling me, go now, we're doing this session. And do you think we need to be looking at our running clubs and looking at even in our society and saying, why, you know, what can we do to actually make it more inclusive? How, because if you, if you, do you feel if you didn't have a coach, you'd be able to, actually get the training or have a community around you well you know with me personally uh you know I'll just talk about myself for a second i i have done lots of things on my own mm. um and uh i coached myself and i looked at videos and i read books and so like i did that i was comfortable doing that on my own um but i now that i have a coach i know the benefits of having a coach and the mm. benefits of um of having somebody else not even having to worry about scheduling my training and, and just worrying about the actual training. Mm. But um, that said, I will also say that I did, I have run with running clubs before and it is very important that um, within your running club that you have spaces for people who aren't super fast or spaces mm -hmm. for people who are new to running and who need a little bit more Sort of instruction or or more time to ease into the action of running, um, and 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 also you need spaces for people who are slower. I think it's it's it, it really is a disservice to humanity when you leave out a, a, a huge portion of people. Um, maybe those people will one day be fast, maybe not, but they're out there and and they they want to run, they want to learn. And so I had this the pleasure of being part of a running club where everybody started out the first five or so minutes, we started out pretty slow together, and then just to, you know, chit-chat, and then everybody did their own pace, mm. and, and, it, and that was understood, it was communicated that you are, you know, you do your own pace, mm. um, and, you know, we'll, uh, we'll come back, and, you know, like, if you need somebody to come back for you, run back to the trailhead, we can do that, if you're fine on your own, that's fine, um, but this, this run is your run, even though we're going out together, um, it's nice to know that there are people on the trail, or, 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 or saying, you know, here, you know, you, for the, the, the people in the back, you know, if we all want to finish at the same time, so you guys run two or three miles, the other people will run four or five and we'll all finish together. So there are different ways to incorporate all different 
kinds of communities in your thing. Now, if you want to be jerk, just like we're only doing eight minute miles, then then do that. But be very, very explicit about it. We are doing eight. It's not being a jerk, like, but you're being very. Yeah. Um, but just mm-hmm. being a jerk, you don't say that to people, and you and you say, oh, this is for everyone, and then you leave people back, and you leave people behind, and you just leave them, um, with without any support. So. Um, so yeah, I think there are different ways to uh, make to ensure that your running club, if you want it to be, is more inclusive uh, of all kinds of them. I think actually a, a lot of the troubles that I've seen in clubs I've gone to is it's just not having enough people actually who are um, of a different speed because it, it's really easy when you've got ten people who all want to run the same pace for them to right. do that. I think the trouble is when yeah. You're trying to create groups of people who can then support each other, run with each other, where one of them knows yeah. the way or one of them knows a session. And I think that, that that's going to be the biggest challenge is actually getting enough people into running of a yeah. certain speed that we can then go, great, let's latch them together. Let's actually. Yeah, but uh, those those people, those those slightly slower people, and I'm talking about me. Um, they're they're almost afraid to join those clubs because mm. you turn up and you see all these guys who are really skinny and fast and you're like oh my god like all these girls who are wearing shorts that I can't wear because my legs chafe and I'm just like oh god I don't want to do it like there's not my people there whereas if you go out and do a trail run or you know in that, with that trail running community you get the plodders the runners the walkers and everyone's got each other's back so you know it's finding those people that will all go all right then we'll all come to the same club at the same time to kind right. of get involved but I think within cities especially london it's really mm. difficult because it's all about speed because naturally you've only got the city to run around um so yeah i think there needs to be something done to make those running clubs like really go out and commit to getting the slower people on board or maybe right. yeah. maybe a different yeah. club entirely just having yeah because I, I i think that the trouble is runners are selfish and short of time and focused on their own training so i think you almost need to have a, mm-hmm. a separate club where people don't have because we've always talked on our podcast about the um, what people associate running clubs with, and it's 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 not it's not it's rarely positive, should we say, in terms of inclusivity. What does it say on the back of our t-shirt? <laughs> yeah, so <I'll, laughs> the back of our t-shirt says the problem with running clubs is they're full of runners. Um, <laughs> maybe we almost need to have a, a completely different type of gr- a club which isn't associated or tainted um, by anything, which is just hey, come and come and run. Or don't come and run a walk, or yeah. I, I, I actually, uh, this is this is a really interesting discussion because, um, well, you guys have Park Run, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and that's pretty diverse. And mm. you know, from all the posts that I've seen about that, that is really a great role model for all different types of run clubs and run events. I, I really love that. Um, but um, one of the things that I've been working on, I have a bunch of uh, different communities that I work with and I have one community called fat girl running on Facebook yeah. and you don't have to be fat to join. Um, uh, but they're all of these different women who um, either identify as fat or not, or, or are slow. And we're just, and you know, they, they're meetups and they're, they're, people that that uh want to know each other in real life because they're at the same like i run a 14 minute mile or i run a 15 minute mile or i do walk run or run walk or i walk or whatever it is um you know and so there are communities out there Mm. um that do this i actually have 
uh, a running retreat that I sold out in four days. It's a trail running retreat, and I'll tell you the name of it. And it's it has a curse in it, so I apologize. <laughs> oh, swear away. It's called it's called the Slow as Fuck Trail Running Adventures Retreat. <laughs> and I'm coming and sign me up. Sign me up. I'm so for that. Hold out. Sorry. Um, and so Damn the it. whole premise, the whole premise is that. Uh, we are here to enjoy the trails running uh, when we need to take a break and hike. That's what we're going to do when we need to take a break and take some pictures for our Instagram. That's what we're going to do. And and it's non-competitive. It is. And, and I had to put an asterisk by by slow. I said, when I say slow, I mean slow. I mean, we're not running 10 minute miles, which for some people that's slow. We're we're you know, we're doing. Uh, speeds that are slower than that, that much, much slower than that. Yeah. And we're going to take breaks. We're not, you know, we're gonna, and we're going to do like maybe three, four miles max each run. We're going to enjoy the scenery. We're going to take it easy. I'm going to teach you how to survive out on the trails um, and how to keep yourself safe and how to not injure yourself. And, and so like there are things like that available to yeah. people, but it, right now, I think it's a matter of outreach and, and making sure that people know that those things are available and, and, and being very invitational. Hey, we're having this trail run club. We're having this running club where, you know, we're, we're really focusing on paces that are 13 to 15 minutes. Or or, or if you want to walk run, where we have a group that's doing a walk run method. Um, there's There are lots of Galloway groups um, around the world that um, invite people of all different paces. So those things are out there. It's the matter of... Of, of being invitational and then really, really just looking for that. And, and I've got to ask, what's the logo for that like? Because it must be massive. There's about 13 words in the camp's title. Uh, I don't have a logo yet. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, the finishers' yeah, medals are going to be be huge. It'll be like um, he's the guy with the clock. Um, Oh, uh, flavor, 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 so there, there, there are definitely opportunities for people to engage in w- at whatever speed they are and whatever level they are. They just have to find them and we have to make sure we reach out. And have you found that because mm-hmm. obviously you've mentioned you're you know, moving away from being a teacher to be full time athlete now. Um, a lot of that is often by sponsorship money. Have you mm-hmm. what what has brands have they approached you? Have, have they been do you feel that you're a token tick box for them are they genuinely supportive are they you know do they want to actually be projecting your image you know what it's it i have had i've been so fortunate Hmm. um in the collaborations that i and the sponsorships that i have um i don't i don't ever feel like a token Hmm. um and and so and i'll tell you what those brands are the uh they are merrill yeah um, and they just posted this amazing video of me uh, in Outside Magazine uh, a couple of days ago. And um, and so, so there's Merrill, there's Skirt Sports, which I'm wearing right now. You can uh, you know for those of you who can't see. <laughs> Um, and and then I have a and then I have a relationship with Swiftwick Socks and then there are other other um, sponsors that I have some in kind sponsors and then I have um, sponsors who you know just send me uh, things that I need to like make my running life a little bit uh, more comfortable yeah. and, and so you know I if with every one of those collaborations I've never felt like a token I've always felt like 
you know, they are trying, they really are trying to diversify who people see as an athlete. Um, and so, so I, yeah, I, I feel like I'm very fortunate in that. Um, there are definitely um, some companies that have reached out and, you know, with, you know, some questionable intentions. Mm. And so, but I don't, you know, I'm pretty, and you know, I have a I have a an agent and publicist, and, and so we're pretty good at at figuring who those people are, uh, and staying away from those companies. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and I and I'm very very picky about who I work with because I want to make sure that they are representing me uh, in a way that uplifts me, so that I can return the favor and uplift that company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I guess getting back to tying in with that slightly with. Mm-hmm image people's fears um, and then Instagram I mean you started your blog pretty much before Instagram was really around let alone had, had, had taken off do you think that the Instagram generation the the constant photos is that making it easier for people like yourself to actually send the message out to people that look, look, we, we are around this is fine or, or do you think it's actually making it worse for people because the people that most people tend to follow are ones who don't really run, then take a photo of them looking beautiful running, having not run because that then sells Nike clothing. Um, I mean, do you, mm-hmm. where do you think the balance is? Uh, you know what? I think Instagram is amazing. Um, and I think more and more people are getting hit to the fact that, you know, for many uh, influencers out there, like their stuff isn't real. Um, and they're doing it for a product or whatever, or, you know, they want to present an image of themselves that, you know, might be real or not. Um, but I think on the flip side, I think it's amazing that I have been able to, with my photos, um, you know, of course, and, you know, like, I don't always show the bad moments, uh, because, you know, I don't want to spread negativity, but sometimes I do. Um, I don't think it spreads uh, negativity though. I think it, it, it spreads, um, it it spreads truth and it also, if, 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 I think it empowers people to know that you can have a shit day and that's fine. It's normal. It happens to everyone. Yeah. And so like, I think it gives me, uh, and I love, I really love the, the visual aspect of it, you know, uh, because it does allow people to see different types of bodies. I, I mean, right now I have 38.8 thousand followers, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things is not a whole lot. People have millions of followers, but you know, that, that does mean that, that I still have a huge reach of, mm. of people who are seeing me in my body, you know, that is not photoshopped. It's not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I do use filters, whatever, um, <laughs> you know, I like some colors and stuff, but, uh, well, I, I, I do. I, I'm proud of what I what I do. And I want other people to feel entitled to be proud of their bodies, too, and whatever shape their body is in. I just want them to be able to look at themselves positively. Um, so if that's what I do by posting on, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, then then I'm going to keep doing that because it, it does really release a lot of positivity into our um, into our lives. Yeah. 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 Well, I, th- I think yeah. actually and I'm, I'm hoping that the balance is shifting where um people are getting bored of how many people are liking them or commenting on their photos just to try Mm -hmm. and get a follow back and Mm -hmm. people are starting to actually question the authenticity of certain Mm -hmm. brands bloggers um so i I, i'm hoping it's going to shift and that authenticity will actually start to come through and and start to be far more important than anything else than than a good photo or a a picture of someone who's sexy essentially um Mm -hmm. 
I mean, but I am sexy, so um, that, anyway. <laughs> Kevin, it's just, indeed. And I wasn't, That's what he was getting at. Yeah. That's absolutely. exactly what he was getting at. Well, to be fair, it's because my friend's sweetheart, all he does, if he's on he's on Instagram, and all he does is follow women who give him an unrealistic uh, view of society, and that's why he'll never find love. So, um, oh, well, yeah, he's got officially disappointed of his life. Exactly, exactly. Um, but the getting on to, we mentioned it at the top of the show, um, being a National Geographic um, adventurer of the year. I mean, what the hell is that? That is crazy awesome. I'm still trying to figure that out, but, um, but it's really cool to be associated with National Geographic. Yeah. Um, well, that it, it really came out of um, the film that I was in, the REI-produced film called REI Presents the Motivator. Yeah. And it was this film about, um, if you haven't seen it already, it is about me uh, going out and doing a 50K. Uh, I, I was doing a 12-hour race uh, about a year ago, actually, and um, I – was on my last three miles and someone emailed me while I was on my last three miles and, and called me a fraud and said that I wasn't really a runner and I was too fat to be a runner, to to be a professional runner, which I'm not, you know, and, uh, and just accused me of all these things and, and not doing what I do, what I say I do. And, and so that video went viral no one knew like it was originally supposed to be a video about this black woman in the woods and in, out- in outdoor spaces and how it was inspiring others to do the same and so it turned into this while the filmmaker was at this race this is when this happened and so and I posted about it in the middle of the race you know at the end like while I was in my last three miles yeah. I posted on my Instagram and then like immediately got all of these amazing comments from people and 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 the filmmaker was waiting at the end of the the race to film my finish and you know she congratulated me when i finished and said hey you know if you want to talk about that whole email thing you know no pressure but if you want to talk about it, <laughs> film um uh, was about, you know, and so that just kind of it went, it went so crazy when the film came out in September. Did you, right Mona, can, can I just ask? Did you, did you email yourself? Was this all your PR plan? You were. Uh... No. no. <laughs> oh, genius! <Absolute laughs> genius. Or, or intelligence to do that, but you know, and it's just, it's so funny, and it's like I can't believe this is happening while I'm doing a 50k. But anyway, so that that film came out, and then so I one of the filmmakers who I guess was uh was one of the people that was able to nominate people to the National Geographic uh, Adventure of the Year. Um, she submitted my name. I had no idea, um, because you know, I'm not like an extreme adventurer. Like I don't do ice climbing yet. Mm. Um, or I have not summited Everest or K2 or anything like that, or, or like a swam and, you know, class five rapids. I haven't done any of that um, yet, as I say. Um, but, but I think the message that they wanted to get out was a message of diversity and a message of uh, the inclusivity of the outdoor space. Yeah. Um, and so, and like you, if you Google me, my, I'm everywhere. And, and it's, it's probably annoying for some people. Oh, this girl. But, uh, probably your you son. <laughs> probably. Like, oh. uh, son who gets annoyed when CNN comes to town. I'm like, CNN's going to be here. Can you clean your room? Oh, CNN. Again? You know, so uh, he's a teenager. But anyway, so, you know, it's it's really cool. It's a, it's a great honor to be associated with other people. Like Killian, uh, no, it's Killian, is it Scott Jurek? Or no, it's Killian Jordan that's in, this, in the same co- cohort. And that's uh-huh. really cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think again, even though I'm not an extreme adventurer, I do represent a lot of people who want and need to be in outdoor spaces. And yes. I think that's why um, I was nominated and, uh, and you know, subsequently um, identified as one of them. And does it get you special access? Have you won anything in particular? I mean, has it been useful? Has it given you opportunities you wouldn't have had? Um, I, I would say, you know, I've just gotten more and more speaking engagements. And, um, you know, if I could get a free subscription to National Geographic, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> have you not got one yet? Uh, yeah, no, no. That's crazy. What? That's rubbish. Mostly, mostly recognition, mostly, um, excuse me, mostly, uh, you know, the ability to do more media stuff and, uh, which is, re- which brings other opportunities with it. So, yeah. um, so yeah, like, I think it's great. I'm so incredibly honored to, to have that title. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and you, you mentioned the, you've got this six day, 120 miler coming up. Um, are there any other kind of big ambitions you have or bucket lists? Um, I, you know what, I do want to do the trek to base camp at Everest at some point in my life. Um, I I have no desire to try to summit Everest because I don't want to die. Um, you know, that way. And so, uh, uh, but I do want to, I do want to visit Nepal and do that. I do want to do, um, like the Atacama desert marathon. Um, I'd love to do another stage race, maybe Transalpine, um, uh, you know, when I, when I'm in even better shape, um, and some self-supported things, uh, I'd love to climb Mount McKinley in Alaska. Um, there's so, there's so many, so many really cool things that I want to do. Um, I want to do Tahoe 200. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, kind of like maybe as the pinnacle, uh, and then like move back down a distance and just like do a couple of hundreds and call it a day. But yeah, there's. I think that we know that's never going to happen. That will never happen. It just gets worse and worse. worse. <laughs> Three hundred miler, yeah. Uh, you know, now that I said that, somebody's going to hold me to it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's certain things that I that I want to do uh, like in the next uh, few years as I continue on this journey. And and do you feel now because you know your son's was he fourteen, fifteen, sixteen? <laughs> 15 tomorrow 15 tomorrow so three more years you might be off to college you're suddenly a full-time athlete um do you, do you feel that your your, your world's changing quite dramatically and has that brought a lot of pressure with it yeah but that my world has changed i mean it's completely upside down in a good way uh completely and um and it and it definitely it's changed just the way i live the way i look at my day you know i have to fit in training i have to do uh you know social media stuff i have to do some writing and so um so it'll i've been teaching for 18 years and so like it you know after today next week it's going to look very different you know the way i make money the way i won't have a steady income yeah. you know but um but in the way i just have to you know as part of my job I have to continue to put myself out there and uh and, and I think my I think my son thinks it's cool he won't say that to me and other adults and so I know but like you know he's a stereotypical you know adolescent boy you know he's he's focused on his own world and you know that's developmentally appropriate so um but he does he is he has expressed that he is proud of me and that you know he he loves the fact that he can do all these different things now yeah that's and have you, have you, is he a runner now have you managed to coax him into it oh my goodness i did not coax i didn't do any coaxing at all um you know i i uh 
well, was, I guess after today it'll be was, the, the head coach of the cross-country uh, team. And he showed up to practice in August. And I said, wait, what? <laughs> what? Um, wow. Like, I thought you were going to play soccer or whatever. And he's like, no, I'm going to run. And he loved it. He, he, well, he's not very competitive. He just yeah. likes to run, which was never yeah. case. And so, um, and he, you know, stayed throughout the season, got better, and uh, and then said, "Oh, I wish cross country lasted um, through the winter." And I said, "What? Who are you?" <laughs> he's also a basketball player and didn't end up playing basketball this year, but um, you know, and and then now they're in like a sort of preseason for next season, and and he's in cross country again. He's really excited about it, and so you know, it warms my heart. I want him to do whatever he wants to do. Um, but I'm so glad he's running. You know, and not do you know why? Things. It's because um, he, he's seen what it can brings you. He wants to get a, an annual subscription to National Geographic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he wants CNN to come around and look at his bedroom. <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, is that you, you've in fact you've mentioned your book. Um, obviously we want you to to plug it to send out, send out the good word. Um, right. Tell us more about it. So um, I wrote a book. It is called A Beautiful Work in Progress, and it's available on, on Amazon, Amazon UK. Um, and it is a memoir, but it's not your typical memoir. Um, you know, it's not sequential. I, I, I see it as more of a set of connected personal essays about different elements of my life, my family, my experiences that kind of create the runner that I am today. And and like there is there are a couple of messages in the book, but the central message is that, you know, I'm an athlete no matter who I am, no yeah. matter where I'm from, no matter yeah. what I look like, I can be an athlete and I appreciate all that my body can do for me. And so, um, and so that's, that's the crux of it. I, you know, it's been doing well. Um, again, I have a book, I have a, a, a talk in the book signing tonight and tomorrow and, and I'm, you know, and I'm, I love connecting with people in that way. And a lot of people have written me and said, you know, by reading your book, I, for some reason, now I think I'm a runner and now, and I signed up for this trail marathon. I don't know how that happens. Oh. You know, or I've signed up for <laughs> Who am I? And so, like, I love that. Yeah. I love, I love to share my enthusiasm for the sport. Uh, and just for getting out there, no matter what you're doing, getting out there, getting out of your, your perceived box and your perceived limits and just doing you and living life. And if there's, I mean, that, that mm-hmm. sounds like a great book, actually. And if there's, if, if you were, to, you're talking to our podcast, I mean, if there's something that we're doing or could be doing to help people that fear stigma get into running, have you got any advice on how we can help achieve that? You know what? I would say definitely uh, the, the internet is amazing. Find a community that fits into your lifestyle. Um, you know, whether it's something like Fat Girl Running, whether it's something like um, there's a, you know, not your average runner group on, on Facebook. There are all these, all these groups, or, you know, not, maybe not just on Facebook, but in real life, mm. there are communities out there for you. And if you know what, if you can't find a community, you have to create your own. Mm. Uh, invite a friend out, hey, do you want to start running? You know, we, you know, we'll probably look like fools out there because we don't know what we're doing, but we're going to look like fools together. Um, and, you know, and if you don't have mm-hmm. something, just go out there knowing that you're probably going to look like a fool for the first couple of days um, and, and be okay with that. Be okay with just kind of letting yourself be. 
uh, in front of people. Or, you know, if you want to start on a treadmill in the basement, whatever, you know. Uh, but the more and more you practice, you know, kind of stepping out of your comfort zone, the more and more, you know, it, it's hard. It's not easy. There's nothing easy about stepping out of your comfort zone. But um, if you, I, I, and there is stigma around either being a larger runner or being a new runner. There is. Know that it's out there, but be okay that it's out mm. there. Know that, you, you know, you're also telling yourself the story. And so it is a story. And not all stories are true. So go out there. Listen. If you need to run for 10 seconds and go for a minute, and that's the way that you do it. That's fine. You will get better if you, if you, if you plug at it every day. Amazing. Well, um, is there anything else you wanted to bring up, Ali, or anything else you wanted to talk about Amanda at all? No, I just want to ask Amanda when she's coming to the UK so we can yeah. go on a UCDB booze event. Booze no, run. Please come. <laughs> I'd love to come to the UK. The last time I was there was 14 years ago when my kid was a year old. So, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time in Harrods. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I'd love to come to the UK. Yeah. Well, we've got plenty of... We'll find someone to fly you over. We'll arrange for someone to fly you over. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really, really, um, well, just inspiring. And um, if people want to, yeah. to follow you, to get in touch with you, what, what's the best way to communicate with you? Sure. Um, Instagram is probably the best way. I'm on Instagram as the Mernavator, T H E M I R N A V A T O R. I'm also on Twitter as the Mernavator. I'm on Facebook. I have uh, two, three Facebook pages. One is <laughs> Mernavator, and that's the one that my um, my agent runs. And then I have Fat Girl Running um, as a page and Fat Girl Running Group on um, on Facebook. And then, or you can email me at themernovator at gmail.com amazing well thank you so much for coming on the podcast good luck with the 120 miler and then the 200 miler when that happens <laughs> thank you so much for being for having me on your show yeah really my, my pleasure and then next time well it, put the uk on your schedule it's ace and we've got people yeah. all we've got people everywhere who would happily come and and run walk with you run with you whatever you want to do with you um it'll be wonderful we have we have all the trail races all the trail races and they're yeah. glorious oh, yeah. all right perfect well thanks again Mano. all the best bye Ah, oh. she's lovely, isn't she? I love her. Oh, love so her. fun, so fun. I know. I Give like me. her. I like her attitude. But also, it's interesting that she feels. I don't think she feels the need. I don't know how to really put this into words, but like, she shouldn't have to kind of explain herself, like, because she's bigger and slower and whatever. That shouldn't be a thing, but it is a thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the reality is that running is not set up for slower people that mm. like nothing in the sport is um is there to to make it easy for them and so i think that's partly why she's always having to kind of explain things because she does stand out as someone very different to the majority of runners you ever see yeah yeah um i mean you say that if i go out and do trail races um mm. then you always get the people at the back the plodders the people mm. that don't look like marathon runners or whatever some of them are on the course for nine hours yeah and i'm like to me that's endurance running because it's hard it's harder for you you what you're heavier you're slower you're out there for longer that's endurance running so i think that kind of sometimes they're more the stars of the show than anyone else like last year i think 
Dorset Invader it was, it was really, really raining. And I came in and I was miserable and it'd taken me four and a half hours and I stomped off to my tent. Then four hours later when I was in the bar, I watched this woman come in after nine hours and she'd been out in that rain all that time, but she was still yeah. going. And that's a men- that takes a mental battle. So having like, you know, having a role model like her is amazing because it just goes to show you don't need to be like, you know, hellard thin to be able to run a race or walk a race or whatever it is. Yeah, but actually, since we recorded the interview, there was a, a discussion in the ultra running community that really, really annoyed me. Where someone was saying, "I think you," and and it was actually someone had linked an article that had been published in which they'd said, "I think if you don't run an ultra, you're not an ultra runner." What if you don't run the whole thing? They they hadn't. I don't think they'd explicitly said that, but. That's what they implied, which was obviously ridiculous because UTMB, no one can run UTMB. No one can even run one of the hills of UTMB. Um, It's way too hard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's what we're up against. It's it's just a a lot of it is people who they think they're special Mm -hmm. and they're annoyed that people aren't recognizing that they're special so that they then say well i'm 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 making myself better than you by putting out all these rules by putting out all these vibes and saying unless you're an ultra runner who's great like me you can't call yourself an ultra runner or we shouldn't have cutoffs that allow for people to walk and but it, it's it's well it, it, quite interestingly the the next podcast that we're going to be putting out that we record last recorded last night um, we were talking then, even the the whole phrase ultra runner and how the fact it's different to just being runner is is causing barriers in people's yeah. minds. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. But she, you know, she is she's making it really really accessible. She's getting people to basically get off their asses and do something, as far as I can see. And I think that that's an absolutely amazing thing. She's so and she's so positive about it all. And you know, one of the worst things is living in the internet age where you've got people who've got big mouths and keyboard warrior hands who think mm. it's okay to write stuff down and then walk away from their computer. And it's like if you're not, you should never ever write anything on the internet that you wouldn't say to somebody's face. But they do. And she just seems to, that just seems like water for ducks back to her, which I think is amazing because it's really mm. hard when you get those comments. Mm. Um, and yes, yeah, so props to her, man. And I think it's not even um, necessarily getting people off the couch but more there might be people out there already who are running who yeah. are doing exercise and I think what she's doing is actually making it giving them the confidence that they can go out even yeah and run yeah. their local races and they might want to have, they may have looked at them and thought I'd love to do this but I don't feel confident enough or I'm worried about people what people are going to say and I, yeah. I think she's she's not only giving them confidence but hopefully embarrassing the people these horrible people into staying silent or to to or encouraging the rest of us as a community to to really slap down these horrible bullies oh just have a little bit of respect for people man just just be kind to people man don't be yeah. horrible to people just love everyone it's interesting Except that cyclists. She, it's yeah absolutely it's, it's, it's interesting that she's got her own personal trainer though um yeah and i, I think that's one thing that there isn't there's not the complete answer yet in that you know she she doesn't she's not in a running club she's got this virtual club club which is great but i still don't know 
other than to tell, you know, if I if I met a friend who wanted to get into running who I thought was going through similar similar struggles, other than saying join Myrna's group, I I don't know what else I could recommend them to do because there aren't the facilities uh, in terms of there's not the clubs out there, there's not the communities, the physical communities. Do you know what a really good one? And I I totally forgot about this group until at the weekend when we were when they were there is Good Gym because Good mm. Gym don't force you to do anything out of your comfort zone like it's a group yeah. run you do get some quite good runners there but it's short I think it's about five to six k and then when you get to where you're going you do something good so you like I've painted community centers or I've done some mm. weeding or I've um taken some old people for a cup of tea and then you come back so it's there's all sorts of people in there like there's mm. really great great runners however you want to like you know quantify being great um there's big people little people old people young people and it's more about more than running so yeah. you go and do this almost like community type thing and you feel accepted because these people are nice giving kind people that don't take uh, 1250 plus 2578 Plus ten thousand five hundred and sixty-two. Ah. Oh. Oh, <coughs> hi, hi there, Duvalas. Just counting the T-shirt money. Um, yeah, this is producer Nick. Uh, there's a bit of a problem with the podcast. Uh, it's just cut out. We have no more audio, so it's been left to me to do an outro to the outro. So, um, what should we talk about? What should we talk about? Uh, this is. Uh, Oh, I don't really know. I don't really want to talk about running. That's a bit boring. Um, so let's talk about Netflix. So I've got two recommendations this uh, this week. Uh, the first one is is uh, Better Call Saul. It's fantastic. It's uh, in I think it's season three at the moment. It's just getting better and better. And I'm also watching uh, the uh, Orzacks, which is in its second season. It's it's great. It's a good show. It's not as good as the first season. There's a little less tension, um, a bit more character development, but it's uh, it's not it's not really doing it for me as much as it did before. Still pretty good though, uh, and worth a watch. So those are my two Netflix recommendations. So now all that's left to do is end the outro to the outro with the customary bye bye bye. So here we go. Oh, bye, 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 bye. Oh, hang on a minute. David asked me if I could do it in falsetto. Here we go. It's going to be a bit tricky. Let's have a go. Bye, 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 bye. That's not really a falsetto, is it? Let's have one more try. Bye, 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 bye. I can't do it. I really can't do it. See you guys. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was.